The outlook for the world economy remains bleak. The COVID-19 pandemic has evolved into the biggest health crisis in 100 years, and the measures to stop the virus from spreading have had enormous financial costs. While economic growth will soon be on the rise again as lockdown communities gradually reopen, it will likely be a long time before the economic scars have fully healed. That's according to Helia Paterson, Nordea's Group Chief Economist. I'm Terry Baines, and Helia is my guest today on this Nordea Markets Insights podcast. Helia and his fellow macroeconomists across the Nordics have just released the latest Nordea economic outlook, The Road to Recovery. Hi, Helia. Great to have you here. Hi, Terry. It's a pleasure being with you. Um, we now find ourselves in the deepest economic recession since the Great Depression of the 1930s. What does the way out of this crisis look like? Would it, would it be fair to say that the worst is now behind us? It's for sure a very good question because we are in a situation which we have never been in before for the global economy. As you know, this is a health crisis which has turned into a pandemic and it has resulted in in the fact that that, comp- that uh, governments have locked down the societies, closed borders. So this is a completely unprecedented situation. Uh, so I do believe that uh, we are on the right track now with the gradual reopenings of a number of countries, uh, but uh, the road to recovery can can really be be bumpy uh, for sure. Uh, And uh, I'm not fully certain whether the worst is already behind us because as we are following, you know, the high freight data, then we still see that economic activity is shrinking in the in the majority of uh, countries. But but for sure, the worst uh, bump has been taken already. But uh, the recovery uh, can turn out to be long, and I would expect that we are only really back on the production level in the global economy as we were before COVID-19 when we are at, say, the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022. So uh, no doubt this is a, a really, really deep uh, crisis which we we are in right now for the world economy. Right. And uh, there's clearly a lot of uncertainty about the virus itself, um, how it'll move through societies and the economic consequences. But what could tilt this um, scenario that you've just laid out to the upside or downside? I mean, in our in our baseline scenario, if we start by that, then we do assume that uh, the impact of the coronavirus and the containment measures, they have reached a peak and we see all these uh, restrictions which has been been imposed uh, by the governments, they will be lifted here during May and June. Uh, But uh, it can also turn out uh, that that some of the lockdowns will last even longer. Uh, And in in that case, uh, then we could easily turn into a much more severe scenario also in case that there will be a second or maybe even a third wave of the corona outbreak, uh, then uh, it, it, it can be a really long-lasting uh, process before we are back on track. And uh, such a scenario could also imply that uh, GDP uh, globally could uh, could be on the, if not decline next year, but then at least develop uh, really weakly. And uh, we could also, of course, face uh, a milder scenario uh, than what we are lining up uh, in case that that the economies really, you know, get uh, uh, 
a boost uh, when when now we are allowed to go to restaurants and uh, cafes and maybe even travel again and uh, shopping centers they do reopen then uh, if uh, the old consumption pattern then just return to normal or maybe we we even have some kind of abstinence so we need to buy more then uh, we could also maybe see that we could be faster back on track but uh, but as I see it now, then it's more likely that we will have this gradual recovery, which could imply that the GDP globally this year would decline by up to, to 3% and compare that to minus 0.1% uh, during the great financial crisis. Uh, and um, and then and then next next year then we could see a recovery with a growth up to to five percent uh, globally uh, in in uh, the the milder scenario which I also just tried to outline before then uh, we could see that growth this year uh, just could maybe drop by around one uh, percent and then we could have a recovery next year where we would see a really strong uh, uh, growth globally maybe up to seven percent but if we see this downside scenario which i also outlined before with a potential second or third wave also uh, and, and really no big progress in uh, finding the medical cure or even the vaccine then we could see uh, that that economic activity this year could drop by up to eight percent globally and only recovery of, of around six percent next year so uh, i mean still huge uncertainty related to what the covid 19 outbreak really will have of impact for the global economy right and um you mentioned uh, you just mentioned the financial crisis uh, in the report you say you don't expect the corona crisis will last as long as the financial crisis why why is that uh, that is because uh, i mean this is still a kind of a we could call it a self-imposed crisis. I mean, governments reacted to this health crisis by locking down societies, closing borders, but they also did take responsibility for their actions. Uh, and they have been out with huge, and I really mean huge, uh, uh, bailout packages uh, to the economies. Uh, the value of these packages uh, are ranging from, say, five or maybe even up to 20% of GDP in some countries. Uh, if you include all the liquidity support, uh, deferrals of uh, VAT and tax payments, wage compensation to to employers, etc., uh, and and this is also an unprecedented uh, help to the society, so to to speak, to 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 keep the economies afloat. And also, monetary policy is as lenient as uh, as ever. Uh, I mean. The Fed has uh, cut rates uh, to to the lowest level uh, ever. Uh, they have come up with unlimited uh, quantitative easing programs, and so has the the European Central Bank. So so monetary policy has never been as as lenient uh, as it is right now, and that has of course also helped to stabilize financial markets much faster uh, than what we saw during the financial crisis. Also, this crisis, as mentioned, it's kind of self-imposed, but, but the financial crisis was due to the build-off of immense imbalances in the financial sector and, and uh, 
debt levels uh, which the history had never seen before amongst uh, both private households, corporates, but also uh, uh, within the, the public sector. And, and we are not in the situation this time that there are these big imbalances. So that's also the, the combination of the bailout packages and the fact that we didn't really uh, saw uh, so this occurring from from imbalances in the economies uh, means that that we should probably be able to see a faster recovery than during the uh, great financial crisis. Uh, so I hope that I'm right in this, uh, but of course, as we mentioned before, there are still a lot of uncertainties related to the recovery. Uh, no doubt about that. Yeah. Um... In the report, you note that the service sector has been um, one of uh, those hit the hardest in this crisis, um, which makes it different from the previous previous crises. Do you think that could, could affect the nature or the length of this crisis? To a certain extent, yeah, it, it, it can, because again, if we compare with the, with the great financial crisis, then uh, it was the manufacturing sector which was hit hard. It was, uh, we saw uh, uh, that, let's say, world trade came to a complete uh, standstill uh, uh, during the crisis, and I, I don't expect that to happen uh, this time, at least. We we know that, that borders have been open for, for, for freight, and, and, and global trade has behaved, uh, I would say, decent compared to the magnitude of the crisis so far. So uh, the, the, the DNA of this crisis is, is definitely uh, uh, different, uh, no doubt about uh, that. What could worry one is, of course, how many of these uh, jobs lost in the service sector will return uh, after the crisis, uh, how much will say uh, people's behavior be changed do we dare again to go to restaurants do we want to travel as much as we did before and of course also what are the companies uh, thinking about globalization do they want to maybe not take much as much part in the global value chains as they did before. And that can, of course, also have a negative uh, permanent uh, impact on, say, productivity. So there are still big question marks, but I will, again, dare to say that, that, that this will not be as deep uh, for the manufacturing sector as the financial crisis was. And the Manufacturing sector usually tends to, to lead the service sector. So when the manufacturing sector starts to recover again, it could also imply that the service sector will again also start to recover fast and add to that 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 is the part which has been locked down and which is being reopened. So we can hope for a relatively strong uh, uh, rebound, maybe already in Q3, but for sure during Q4 this year and then it can accelerate further during uh, next year. Okay. And uh, which parts of the world do you think are in the best position to recover from the crisis? And um, on the other hand, which, which will struggle more to get back on the growth track? A uh, very, very good question. Uh, but uh, to be frank, I think that uh, the North European countries, uh, among them the Nordics, uh, will, will, will do best and they will recover the fastest. Uh, as we know, uh, then the corona crisis is indeed deep and it is very, very expensive uh, 
uh, not least for, for also the, the public sector. So uh, public sector debt is increasing rapidly, which means that the starting point for introducing all these uh, generous uh, support packages has, has been much better in, uh, in, in rich countries having a low debt level. And that is uh, actually what, what happens to be the case in countries like Germany, the Netherlands and the Nordics. So I think that uh, they can support their economies much better than many other countries in the world, which also will mean that the recovery can be much faster. Uh, so um, have a much more dire outlook for the South European countries who also seems to maybe uh, been lacking a lot of tourism revenues uh, this summer, unfortunately for them. So, and, and they are heavily indebted already, uh, uh, the, the, the public sector, as, as we all know. So, so it will be much uh, more difficult for them to, to recover uh, as, as fast as the North European countries and emerging markets also seems to have some, some problems because commodity prices have uh, declined sharply, uh, which is uh, one of many emerging countries' uh, major uh, export uh, earnings comes from, from, from sale of, of commodities. While, say, some of the Anglo-Saxon economies like, like the US and, and the UK, I think also they can, they can do okay. I, I think because of their uh, such very business-oriented societies, and they will also recover relatively fastly, although the number of fertilities are, are, are relatively high and the social costs are also higher in, in the Nordics and, 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 and Germany. It, it completely different welfare models uh, these countries are having, but I, I do believe that they will uh, recover relatively fastly. So, But, but I, I think we will see this division or divide between the, the North and the South European countries widen and also in general between the, the rich and the poor countries uh, in the world, which of course could lead to, to other problems uh, longer term. Hmm. Um, zooming in a bit on the Nordics, you mentioned the Nordics. Um, the Nordic countries have had different approaches uh, for how to contain the virus, with Sweden being one of the outliers, having a more relaxed approach to lockdowns, relying on recommendations for public behavior, etc. Do you see these different approaches having any effect on the economic outcomes in the Nordic countries? Um, to, to be frank, not really. Uh, we do know that uh, Sweden fared better in, in Q1 than, than the other Nordic countries as the Swedish economy actually happened to grow by 0.1% uh, in, in Q1 while both in Norway and, 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 and Denmark, uh, GDP fell by more than 2% over the quarter. Uh, however, uh, such more high-frec data also indicates that the Swedes uh, have been reluctant uh, later on going to, to restaurants, cafes, its domestic service sector is also hit hard in, in, in Sweden now. And the Swedish export uh, structure as such is more sensitive to the global business cycle than, uh, say, the Danish or uh, the Norwegian. The Norwegians are very dependent on the oil price. Oil prices have started to rise again. So I, I think actually uh, when we are doing the math for the year, then uh, the Nordic countries will all have experienced a relatively deep recession throughout 2020. 
20. Uh, our forecast for the Danish GDP growth is minus 5% this year, then it's minus 6 for Sweden and Norway and minus 7 for Finland. So we are in that range, minus 5 to minus 7% decline in economic activity even in the Nordics. And then next year, uh, all of the countries will recover. We expect them to grow by around 4% uh, next year. Uh, and that, that that's for all of the four Nordic countries. So so I I, I really don't think that the Swedish model uh, leads to to much better economic uh, results uh, than than this uh, much stricter containment uh, uh, restrictions which we have seen in in the other Nordic countries. But that's maybe also because Sweden is a little more dependent on, as mentioned, their their exports uh, or their export sector is more dependent on, on, the, on the global outlook, which is indeed uh, dire these days. But uh, but a, a deep uh, recession for, for all of the countries uh, this year, no doubt about that. Okay, now, despite all the focus on the pandemic, uh, there are other geopolitical risks that, that could have an impact on the global economy. Which of these do you have your eyes on? Yeah, for sure. It, uh, it seems as we have forgotten about all other risks uh, here during uh, the Corona days. Uh, but but I will indeed focus uh, very much on the relationship between the US and China. Uh, there are strong tensions between the two countries, the two leading economies in the world. And uh, the last chapter in the trade war has, has clearly not uh, yet been written. So that is uh, one of my focus points. Uh, but then I will also uh, have a, a, a tight eye on the Brexit process. I mean, the UK has already left the European Union, but we still don't know whether there will be an agreement between the two partners. Will there be a, a trade agreement between them or will we have uh, a, the, the so-called hard Brexit? Uh, the risk of that is still uh, persistent, so uh, that's also something I will uh, I will follow closely. And then finally, uh, to be frank, I don't think that we have really been mentioning the climate changes over the past few months. Uh, the environment has has benefited for sure uh, during the lockdown of factories uh, worldwide, but the concerns will soon be back again. And uh, that is also a process which I will focus uh, a lot on. And I'm sure that uh, that the winners uh, will be the countries who stick uh, to their ambition of reducing the greenhouse gases significantly over the, the coming years. But it's not all countries which can afford that now after uh, the corona crisis. But, but that is also definitely a risk factor which needs to be followed very closely. Great. Well, this has been very interesting, Helia. It is certainly an unprecedented time. And it'll be interesting to see where things stand in September when we release our next economic outlook. And uh, for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. You can find the full report on our website, Nordea Open Insights. Thanks, Helia. Thank you, Terry. <laughs>